A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rule Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, Alessia, welcome to this Design to Change onstage episode. Um, with me is Alessia Clusini. My name is Rudy Janssen with the Event Design Collective. And Alessia is the founder at Tribes Agency, which is all about consumer insights and audience analysis. Alessia, give us the insight into just really briefly, besides what people can learn about you on LinkedIn, and we'll add the link at the bottom, but what do people need to know about you? Wow, what a question. Thanks for having me, first of all, Ruth. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, conversations. They're always very fun. So I'm thrilled to be here and to learn more and to have fun with you. What can I say? I'm a person that changed a few times in life. Um, deeply changed. I am that person that, you know, when the Titanic was going down, I'm the person that has seen the iceberg at first and jumps out of the Titanic, if it makes sense. And at first people were dancing and everything, but then they were like, hmm, actually it looks, <laughs> it's going to change everything. So I, I have this skill in life to see what's the right moment to do something or to stop doing something. And that's why I changed a couple of times careers. Um, I had two uh, main parts, one career in fashion and one career in, in marketing. And I was lucky enough to start working on social media at the very beginning of social media so it was very organic we made big results for clients and it was amazing to live everywhere in the world before the world caught up with the working from home and then social media go really overcrowded and in the same time I understood among, uh, you know, hundreds of case studies that there was one thing that was um, the game changer. I mean, I know change <laughs> as a keyword is coming up a lot, but this um, factor was the understanding of the people you are serving or you're talking with. So basically audience analysis. And I could see how, if you understood the people, um, you are um, giving a service or a product or whatever experience, um, you, you can really make them love your brand, your project, whatever you are giving to them. And uh, you can create communities, you can you know, create value and uh, stay relevant forever. So I, 
stepped up in a way. I stopped. I studied a lot. I, I built a team of uh, uh, social sciences experts, so psychologists, anthropologists, sociologists, and on the other side, the techies, so AI experts, and uh, together uh, with me as a bridge, um, we are offering deep understanding of people uh, to our clients. So I hope that this makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, from besides that, you're completely forgetting that you're a prolific uh, writer of, uh, I think, really good um, analysis pieces that I've really enjoyed um, reading and, and, and learning from. Um, Thank you. You co-founded, uh, so you're based in London, you co-founded the Tribes Agency with yeah. uh, data scientists, like you're saying, and how do you apply machine learning engineers to psychology, social sciences, marketing, to empower Absolutely. world-class marketing strategies and storytelling. And I, and I really like how you use data science to understand audiences and tribes better. So what I really liked about your pieces, and we can add the links in the, in the content, is how you deeply look at experiences and dissect them. And among those case studies are case studies for Burning Man and more recently South by Southwest that you did deep analysis on that I'm familiar with and some pieces about what we're currently going through. So the, the next iceberg, but also the top of the mountain is something you <laughs> continuously have on your radar, which I think yeah. is super cool. It also begs the question that I'd like to start off uh, with today. Uh, the question that's on the first page of the Design to Change book, which is a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? It's an amazing question. I mean, since we met, I thought this is so defining uh, the lives and the future of so many people in the world, pretty much everybody. I, I wouldn't leave it to chance completely, as in my style, our style at Tribes is to research a lot get the most of it, get really scientific and nerdy about everything and then and then let it go. As in, we love the component of serendipity, which also connected us, Ruth, if you think about it. Like, I got to know you through a very good understanding of the network that was around Joe Pine and the people that were running the experience economy um, uh, nowadays. And um, a year ago, about a year ago, I think. And so it's, you know, and then and then was really beautiful and organic and it was a flow. I, I don't feel like, you know, I feel like very natural. Like I feel like when we talk to each other, I feel like I've been knowing you forever, you know? Yeah. Um, but and, I, and, and on, on, a, on, on a note there, just for those that are listening to the podcast, we've never met face to face. So these conversations mm -hmm. started online, right? Mm -hmm. And they are very organic conversations that, you know, um, that also translate into actual actions. And that's what I would appreciate a lot about ULSA. It's not just talk, but it's also talk converted into what can we learn about the experience economy? Um, yes. That also begs the question having yeah. interrupted our conversation, because that's how we, that's how we yeah. push back and forth, right? Um, yeah. So I'm fascinated by this idea of the horizons of change. You saw the iceberg on the horizon, but what is currently on your horizon of change? Well, right now, I feel um, there's many things, there's many um, 
I mean, I feel really excited to be fair. Um, I feel excited because I feel we are the people that are facing the future, like a big, major change. And I feel that is for me right now is the old realm of the metaverse and how um, the definition of identity um, and uh, production and consumption and as we, I would say it, presumption, which is in the middle between production and consumption is going to be in the future. It's extremely relevant and it's extremely interesting uh, to think of products, but also experiences, but also services, education, banking, all kinds of industries that are going to shift. Um, also, obviously, another tech revolution that is ongoing is the um, automation one and the artificial intelligence one. And we use it in a way that we make sure that we humans are indispensable. So this is a personal battle I'm running um, at work, especially. Um, for two reasons. One reason is to, I, I'm a really, you know, um, how would I put it? Like, a, a, I want a results, I want tangible quality. That's maybe my being Italian. <laughs> so I don't want any automated social listening platform that pulls out quant results that are not making sense for your precise need in business. I want the perfection of the answers you can get so that you can get only with the help of humans and scientists uh, specifically. So mm. there's so there's two metaverse AI and also obviously, I mean, it's a buzzword. We cannot avoid it. It's an NFT and that will change and is changing the whole concept of property and again, consumption production, I find amazing the idea of having stake in somebody, somebody's work and, um, you know, democratizing, really deeply democratizing and disintermediating so many processes through the blockchain. Yeah. So these are the three realms that I am really excited about. I hope I have answered your question. Well, you've 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 dropped a lot of um, uh, bombs of uh, of change, you know, of of spaces and contexts. Um, that's a large horizon to look at. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take our conversation down a rabbit hole, if I may, with you. Yeah. Um, and the rabbit hole is going to be quite specific to the to probably some of the most complex experiences, which are the ones between groups of people, right? Uh, in the yeah. form of um, uh, events and how change happens, uh, either by design or by accident, uh, by mm -hmm. elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. And so, based on based on this, um, you know, one of the things that Bertrand Picard, you know, put on the back of our book is, it's not the answer that's important, but the attitude to the question. And I think by exploring, mm, that I think is that's, brilliant, brilliant. 
and I think that that very topic is so um, is so important. So I'm going to ask a series of questions to you. Uh, but before we do that, let me let me spin the wheel and just pretend for a moment that um, we're going to serendipitously figure out, you know, which which is this uh, topic that we're going to ex explore now. Oh, wow. Fun. So here we go. Let's see what comes out. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Putting design on the agenda. It's a very concrete one, right? Putting design on the agenda <laughs> because design itself is such a, it's a big word, yeah. right? Um, it's also conceptually something that many people know or have ran across, but might not be very familiar with how it actually works or how it pertains yeah. to, yeah. to, um, to experiences and to, to, to events. But yeah. let me let me bring you down that rabbit hole with a couple of questions. Yeah. And um, um, and I'm going to pretend for a moment that you are facing uh, somebody that is decided to put on an experience or an event, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the first question here is, um, how can you comfort the event owner or the experience owner that not having clarity with the initial ask is okay? Wow. So how can you comfort? Yeah, well, it's a big question because um, I would go. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. People want to be in control. That's one thing I learned from many tribes and many targets um, to make them to facilitate the losing of control. Sometimes it goes through knowing as much as they can. I'm thinking about, for instance, of uh, a target that we studied in the past, which is mothers and how uh, lots of like uh, working moms and entrepreneurs and decision makers up the ladder, they feel because the experience of uh, a baby delivery is so uncertain, as you know, you can pre predict everything, but then everything goes completely different. Um, I found out that um, through research, obviously, that uh, those people, uh, they want to first know in details all the possible ways that it can go. Right. Um, and then all the possible future scenarios laid out to like in front of them, then talking together and obviously processing together the potential response to those scenarios, then eventually they're able to let it go. So I would go, I would try, and I don't know if it's going to work, but I would try to work with the um, event organizer, can we say? And and, uh, and they lay out all the possible potential scenarios together and then try this exercise of how would you respond to all these potential scenarios? And then I would expect them to feel a bit more, you know, okay, I'll let it go. It doesn't matter if I cannot predict every single thing. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? I think it does. I mean, as an event owner, you know, they, they or an experienced owner, yeah. they, they come up yeah. with the idea, you know, but not really thinking about the, you know, the, the opposite truth of what happens if you don't do it or do do it and sketching scenarios, I think makes a lot of sense. 
but it also requires a lot of uh, rapid thinking in terms of yes. rapid prototyping and being able to come up with what scenarios might happen. It's and better to rapid prototyping before than getting there. And what most people miss in the equation is people. People are unpredictable. <laughs> you know, if you have a bunch of people, thousands, hundreds of people attending your event, that variable of how they interact is a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Do, do, do you think, you know, maybe that's that's uh, related to the second question I'm going to ask you in a minute here, which is what guardrails do you offer to allow mm -hmm. the event owner to feel comfortable to say yes to you? for event design, right? So mm -hmm. let's, let's pretend people, you know, you, you know a lot about events because you research a lot of events. You've seen yeah. um, you've seen the icebergs, but you've also seen the options of going around the iceberg or climbing the iceberg. Absolutely. Right? So um, what what guardrails do you do you offer? Um, and maybe related to what you just said, I think group people in groups their behaviors are more predictable than as individuals. Yes, absolutely. At least that's something that we found in event design. Absolutely. But it also requires experience with groups to know how they react to specific experiences or a bandwidth of possible reactions. Right? Yeah. So what guardrails do you offer to allow the event owner to feel comfortable to say yes to you for event design or experience design or, you know, using your predictive powers? Do you have yeah, any guardrails a, that you would offer? It's a great question, actually. It's a, a crucial question as well um, that people make all the time. Um, what's in it? Like, how can I make sure? And um, I would say my answer, my go-to answer would be like, we, and it's not, uh, I mean, it's probably a, a very simple answer but it's we build on top of what worked simple so what worked in the past for this number of events in this number of industries we begin debunking and uh, decoding as you are uh, complexity so we get a code a recipe of success and we apply that over and over and we iterate it until it's perfect for that precise event. That's all. That's not, that sounds really uh, solid. But what happens when the context completely changes? Like, you know, we've had that happen recently, right? So, um, which also might beg the next question. Let me take you to this next one. Um, and just so you know, for the listeners, Alessia had had no preparation with these questions. Right? So this is always very challenging when we take when we take uh, our change makers down this uh, down this pathway. Um, the next question is: How will you sketch the outcomes of the event design and involve the event owner in the way forward? Right, because it kind of relates to what you said. So, if if you would repeat the Titanic movement into the iceberg over and over again, you would crash over and over again. Right, so. Yeah. But, but how do you how, mean? Uh, what do you mean by sketch? How will you sketch the outcome? What do you mean by sketching? By I mean, sketching, I, the I words, mean but... the way that you the way that you take your pen and write up past experiences, mm -hmm. and then use your data predictive powers of okay. group behavior. Like a sketch to me could be a future narrative, or could be you know, yeah. visualizing what the future could look like. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so how do, how do you like when a prototype is finished, like you think here are two or three ways in which you could do that. And, and my question would be, how would you how do you sketch those outcomes of event design to involve Absolutely. the event owner in the way forward? Because if they can see it, they can imagine it. Right. So, yeah, this is a great question as well. And one that never been made to me or to us that as far as I remember, uh, and it's more the how. Right. So. Uh, I love the question is like, the way we do it is really like a, basically like a recipe. So we get the old complexity and we run a big uh, social data um, analysis. And then we get semantic areas, areas of meaning. And that translates into a very easy to read recipe like I did for the Burning Man. So you get like elements just like you get a recipe for a cake. You get two eggs, this amount of flour, this amount of water, and such and such. Um, now, it's able, I want um, the um, client to be able to zoom in and understand the quantity of the eggs and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the details of the data analysis, but also obviously how you put together eggs, flour, and and all the elements, so the how. And that will be how we sketch it. So it needs to be something that is really easy to understand and represent at first. So it actually looks like a a code or a recipe, like bolts of meanings, circles of meanings, and then you can zoom in and get into details. I love that. Based on that, I would almost think that you are the first person to be able to uncook a cake, right? So yes, that's I mean, what at, we at, do. At, yeah. at, you know, when you see a cake, you could never imagine the original constituents of how it came together, right? And I think well, this I is know, maybe part of the chemistry because physics. So it's very hard to say, this is going to be a cake. Like you don't actually imagine the taste of a tiramisu when you see the eggs and the sugar and the mascarpone cheese. It's very simple. So you wouldn't believe that it's so fluffy and creamy and everything, right? But it is. So the magic of it is how much time and the humidity of the air and the tools you use and everything in between. So yes, that's exactly what we do. We really undo things undo the cooking yeah yeah Yeah. and it's interesting how actually in in culinary arts that's been happening as well right so people Mm -hmm. of course you know people have been cooking for ages but only fairly recently have people started to reverse decode how things come to be right um and i think that this is something that's happening in our space as well for events because people care what what the end outcome is but they also want to understand how you get there Mm-hmm, absolutely. Which brings me this, to the next. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, just I think it's it's important to say that there's a need to create a, a scientific methodology, which you are doing. So I appreciate your work a lot. That's why. Hmm. What's 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 also interesting is that um, the recipe itself might um sometimes get in the way of innovation in the future right if you're too stuck to a recipe or if you keep trying it over and over again without thinking of how it could be done in other ways 
you might fall in love with the recipe instead of with the cake, right? Yeah, and I think or this you is... might end up like many Italian restaurants and most Italian cuisine that you cannot change one bit. So it's really tough to um, change the winning uh, team, formula. right? Yeah. The winning formula, especially. But I would say that one thing that is important in that um, is the context of what you have around like... Um, you know, I, I am a big fan, even though I'm Italian and we, you know, don't put cheese on the fish and all that, but I'm a big fan of uh, iterate and change things in a way that they work better for the context that we are, yeah. yeah. Let's bring you to the next question, which is this one. How does getting design on the agenda help the event owner in other parts of their organization to achieve their strategic goals? Mm. I mean, sorry, I'm a I used to be a designer and I'm still a designer as that's my background and I apply. This mindset is always going to be with me forever. So uh, now that I run a research firm, I'm still a designer. That's why we came up with the decoding of complexity. And so my question would be like, design is everything. Design is this door. You have a handle because somebody designed it. Um, you know, whatever we are doing right now is being designed. So design is um, implicit in achieving the goals because if you don't design something, it means that you leave it to somebody else that designed it before. And I, we, we don't like that, do we? Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's absolutely, the, you know, it's embedded in everything we do design, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, zooming out of that, because this is the last question in the series. If design gets, does not get put on the agenda. Yeah. And you say design is so uh, implicit, does it explicitly mean that you are then left to someone else's devices to determine how it goes? And someone else's agenda, I would say, I would add. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know how, you know, it's happening with marketing and the big platforms like uh, Facebook and the other big, you know, companies. Um, as a, if you have a marketing office or a department or whatever it is, you are, you need to design for your own strategic goal. You don't need to leave it to somebody else's agenda because they are not necessarily um, doing um, great business for you. They're doing great business for them and it might overlap and it might do well for you, but it might not. So yeah, I, I believe it's, it's a crucial uh, part and too many events I feel they still are just doing what they've done in the past but we are at the verge of a change also because we've gone through a major global uh, change so it was unfortunate but as we spoken, um, we talked about it in the past it's a bit like we need to take the chance now uh, to design better experiences because the world has changed. There's some parts of our habits that are irreversible. 
such as including the online into the in real life um, habits. I think I think that's that's <clears throat> absolutely true. When the context changes, the the literally the tools or the techniques to 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 use are are in flux, right? They're changing, and it also makes people. Um, insecure because they are not familiar with the new tool set or they're not familiar with the options. And if they apply the same old recipe, it will not work using the new tools. Um, and I think um, what, what you said really um, does make a lot of sense because <clears throat> if, if, if the event owner does not articulate clearly their, um, their agenda or what's on their agenda or put design on the agenda not knowing exactly what it is they're asking for but sharing the intent and then having a group of people interpret the intent not just from the event owner's agenda but from multiple stakeholders perspectives yes absolutely see how these things click together right yeah i think that's so much the magic of events right when multiple stakeholders get together and they change some behavior in the desired direction of change. You need to know who the stakeholders are, what the behaviors are, and what the desired direction of change is. Yeah. And I think um, um, you've, you've uh, hit the nail on the head. I'm, again, fascinated. I really highly encourage uh, our uh, listeners to also check out the articles that you've done and the research to show how it, what it looks like when it's finished. Because it's, it's, it's not a kind of a quick brush over of how it went. You go deep. <laughs> You go deep into the analysis and the reasons why things happen at specific events and for very complex events. Like, you know, I think your latest piece on, on South by Southwest of this year's edition and how it, you know, how that metamorphosis kind of um, was received by the various audiences with the yeah. various stakes and, you know, is, is absolutely, that's what we can learn, right? This yeah, is what also, we can learn. It was very... Um... It, there was a lot at stake for them because, as you know, South by Southwest is a festival um, that represents very much Austin, Texas. So it, it, it feels like a small community. It feels, it feels like a small town where you know everybody. So the question now with them, working with them for the future is what is going to be, what, what is the future going to look like where in a world where we can scale up, we can reach everybody through the online festival, but we still want to have those vibes. The live vibes, the small community vibes, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very complex and very exciting to work in this kind of projects. Fascinating. Alessia, here's a question to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> part of why we do these is because the horizon of change um, changes over time. Um, two favors to ask before we end this onstage part. The first one is, would you be willing to answer the questions we just asked mm -hmm. uh, within about a week of today, uh, also in mm. writing? So we'll send you a little chat kind of form to see if you can share the answers now that you've had a chance to talk about them, but also reflect on them in writing, because I know you are a master with the words. No, um, no, that's, yes, you I'm are. Not yes, you are. <laughs> I, I tell you this, this is secret. So basically, I used to be a designer, a fashion designer, and when I and I and I didn't speak any English. So those two things brought me to my second career in not being able 
not being able to speak properly, I swear, because I couldn't. My, my mean of uh, communication was drawing. And also, I wasn't able to speak properly, to communicate properly. So this is a great compliment, but I'm not a great writer. <laughs> you are, you are. When I, when I read your pieces, I'd recommend it to our listeners. Um, but but you will see those answers as well uh, after, after uh, change, right? Alessia has, has written it down. And, and, and that's my second question. The second question is, um, one year from today, wow. I'm going to send you an invite for our calendars to have, again, a conversation about design to change. Mm -hmm. uh, one year down the line uh, to keep the conversation going. It doesn't mean we have to wait for a year until we talk again. It's just mm -hmm. an anchor in the agenda <laughs> in the future, right? No. <laughs> um, which will allow us to reflect on, you know, how is that horizon of change you articulated this year? What's that looking like next year? Right? And that That's will give beautiful. us a perpetual conversation. Are so, you game? Yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'll... Um, about the week thing, uh, we, we're going to have a lot of things going on, but I will I will get to it. But um, I, I feel like did, I, I just want to make you a question, which is like, like what did you like? What, what, the out, how was the outcome with other people after a year? What was something? That... We don't know because we've just started the series. Oh, wow! So this um, just and and, and for those hurts. listening, it's it, today is the seventeenth of September, twenty twenty one, right? Um, so if, you know, for posterity, you find this online somewhere, you know, a couple of decades from today, you'll know that <laughs> we were in the midst of a COVID situation. Uh, the book Designed to Change has just been, you know, uh, published and the conversations are the augmented layer over the book because it's so hard to have open conversations in a book, mm -hmm. right? A book is a very mm -hmm. different medium. So, um, mm -hmm. um, but on that note, we're going to wrap up the, uh, the onstage part and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll meet you backstage in just a couple yeah. of minutes. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.